Come on. Welcome, Lepo. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Eric Barker. Eric, are you ready to do this? Yes, I'm ready. Excited to have you on. Eric is a writer. He is the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Barking Up the Wrong Tree. His newest book is Plays Well with Others, the Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Relationships is Mostly Wrong. Eric, tell us a little bit about your personal lives, more about your work, and what motivated you to put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. I've been been writing on my blog for about 13 years now, looking at social science, trying to trying to just get answers to a lot of the questions we all have about living a better life, and and trying to make it readable and entertaining in the process. And uh, my first book looked at basically the maxims of success that we all grew up with, like nice guys finish last, and it's not what you know, it's who you know, and basically trying to look at the science, seeing if those those lessons we were all told if they're true or not. And uh, decided to follow that up with plays well with others, which is looking at the maxims that we all grew up with in our relationships. You know, does love conquer all? Is a friend in need a friend indeed? And putting them through the, uh, the Mythbusters uh, grinder and seeing whether they're true or not and what we need to know to live a better life. Nice. So was this a logical next book for you to write? Did it pop into your head? Were you just planning to write another book? How did that all sort of come to be? I mean, for me, like I said, the, the format was was the same. These are all questions, you know, I've had and I figure other people have had. I mean, I've never been great with relationships. So for, for me to explore this was definitely a useful personal journey. But what was really, really crazy and certainly unfortunate was uh, literally two weeks after I closed the deal, uh, California, where I live, uh, locked down for the pandemic. And all of a sudden I realized you know, uh, you know, we're, we're all going to need a little help with our relationships uh, once the pandemic's over. So writing the book, you know, took on a whole new purpose for me. I became a man on a mission. Yeah. Interesting. How how long did it take you to write this book versus Barking Up the Wrong Tree? This one was trickier. Uh, you know, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, I, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing the blog looking at a lot of research for a very long time. So I at least become, you know, conversant, you know, in a lot of the, the studies and ideas and concepts. And this took a much deeper dive. I, it was a lot trickier. And certainly with some topics like, like love and marriage, there's an enormous amount of, of research to go through to try and get to the fundamentals. And on the flip side, I found with friendship, you know, comparatively, there's very little research. It was it was very tricky to find answers. So each thing kind of presented its its own challenge. But the the, the relationship, the new book was was a lot more work, definitely. And do you think that it would have been under the same conditions if COVID had not happened? If we weren't locked down, and I, I mean, I'm sure that there maybe are topics that would be more intensified during the pandemic, but this relationships, friendships that has to be top really near the top of the list. So it's kind of like a perfect storm or, or maybe an awful storm. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, from a productivity perspective, it was a perfect storm because I couldn't go out and do anything. So, uh, so definitely it, it, it was, you know, I became a lot more focused. I didn't have, you know, a lot of other things to do on the flip side. It was kind of crazy because with the first book, 
the sixth chapter of the first book is, you know, all about uh, work-life balance and productivity. And I, I found it very ironic that I was driving myself crazy to finish this book, sleeping five hours a night. Meanwhile, I'm writing about work-life balance. And then, sure enough, second book, you know, here I am writing about just how vital and important relationships are to your health and happiness. And, of course, I'm cooped up, locked down, not seeing any of my friends or family. Yeah. That is, uh, that's almost like an episode of Black Mirror, Eric. <laughs> I, I, that, the past, past two and a half years, of, there's been plenty of Black Mirror going on. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Brooker is a very smart guy. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely saw that was the case. And, you know, I mean, a lot of what I've learned in researching the book, you know, about, you know, separation, loneliness, the importance of, you know, relationships. I mean, it was, it was scary to be reading all this research. You know that you know effectively it's it's like you know good good relationships you know had literally a decade to your life that you know it's the happiness equivalent having good relationships the happiness equivalent of making another hundred and thirty one thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. I mean it's it's really crazy I I was like oh geez this is this I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm putting together what seems to be a useful book but you know I'm not putting myself in the the best situation uh, right here when you read that you know other than other than genetics, you know, uh, you know, uh, your relationships are, you know, really key in terms of, in terms of your health. Yeah. It's like researching the damaging effects of smoking on your body while you're smoking cigarettes. So <laughs> uh, pretty much, man, pretty much. Uh, fascinating. Um, so if, if I, I think you said a positive relationship that, that adds years onto your life, 10 years, the equivalent of making $130,000 a year, being lonely probably has 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 sort of the opposite effect. I imagine uh, loneliness is like basically raises almost every negative health metric you can imagine. You know, it was it was really shocking to me. Uh, but you know, in terms of in terms of happiness, uh, you know, when neuroscientists look at your brain, when people's brains are feel lonely, basically you scan for threats twice as fast. Now that makes perfect sense. You know, if you think in our ancestral environment, if you were by yourself and didn't feel supported, you, you would need to be looking over your shoulder because you know help isn't coming. But certainly that's not very conducive to, to living a happy life. But what really blew me away uh, when doing the research that shocked the heck out of me was that, you know, uh, John Cacioppo is the leading researcher on loneliness, and he found that lonely people don't spend any less time with others than non-lonely people do. And that, like, seemed ridiculous. But then I thought about it and, you know, we've all had that experience of feeling lonely in a crowd, you know, it's, and that's what Cacioppo found is that basically loneliness isn't about proximity to other people. Loneliness is how you feel about your relationships and just spending time near others isn't going to make you feel better about that. It's about the, the depth and the strength of your relationships to others, not that they're merely in front of you. That is, that is profound. And I've certainly had that experience. It's just putting myself in, you know, in those shoes about being around people, but not feeling like I fit in or just whatever the case may be, just feeling uncomfortable. And I don't know that I've, I've felt lonely. Maybe I, maybe I have, um, do you, do you lay out the, the, for lack of a better term remedy? Yeah. I mean, as opposed to merely spending more time with others, it's about deepening the relationships you have, you know, and about strengthening them. And in the friendship section of the book, you know, I, I 
I go through the work of Dale Carnegie and, you know, uh, his, his work and how to, how to win friends and influence people is probably the most familiar, most successful book on relationships, mm-hmm. uh, friendships at least. And uh, it turns out that even though he wrote that book long before the, the uh, advent of most social science, most everything he said was correct, you know, uh, with the exception of he, he said, try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. And actually, you know, we're really terrible at that. Nicholas Hempley's research at the University of Chicago says, shows that we're, we're really bad. And when we try to do that, we typically make incorrect assumptions. And it, it turns out worse. We, we only correctly read the thoughts and feelings of, of strangers 20% of the time. We, uh, we can do it accurately with friends 30% of the time, and with spouses, we, we top out at 35%. So whatever you think is on your spouse's mind, two-thirds of the time you're wrong. So we need to ask people. We need to, we need to actually talk to them and not make assumptions. We're not Sherlock Holmes. But in terms of deepening relationships, Dale Carnegie doesn't really cover that. What that comes down to, really, what I found through the research is time and vulnerability. You know, time is the thing that actually friends are most likely to argue about. And time is a powerful signal. It tells somebody that you're invested in them. You know, if you, you only have 24 hours in a day, if you consistently spend time with someone, that's a clear, you know, demonstration that they're important to you. And vulnerability is opening up. And this is, you know, really critical for the relationship. We've all had, you know, conversations that's just small talk. It goes in circles and we just don't feel like we're really connecting. To open up about, the, you know, your weaknesses, about what's on your mind, what you're concerned about. This is really powerful because it shows the other person. If you're willing to talk about stuff that might make you look bad, that says you trust them. And the best way to get someone else to trust you is to first put your trust in them. And if not only, you know, being and not being vulnerable in relationships doesn't just hurt relationships, it can hurt you. Uh, Robert Garfield has done research at the University of Pennsylvania. And what he found is that not being vulnerable, not opening up, increases, prolongs minor illnesses, increases the chance of a first heart attack, and it also increases the chance that that heart attack will be lethal. Like I said, we, we, loneliness is the stress equivalent of a physical assault. That's how much it raises your stress hormones. So we need to open up, we need to connect with people. And when we do spend time, you know, connect with people, act vulnerable, we can deepen our relationships and we can, we can avoid loneliness. Um. That, that, that makes a ton of sense. Certainly time is one of our most valuable resources. So who we give that to or allocate it to, um, that makes sense. And the vulnerability piece, it, that is powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of, of you, you've, you've been a writer for, for a long time and you've got this great blog um, and obviously now two wonderful books. And as I say that, you may very well have more books than that. Um, how is how how is when when you're sitting down and just doing your blog? How is your writing different than than when you're actually writing a book? Uh, it's it's a good question. I mean, for the for the blog, I'm usually very focused on one particular book or piece of research, particular subject matter. Uh, you know, for a book, you need to take a much bigger perspective. There's a much more holistic, cohesive element that you need to think about in terms of. How does this fit into the bigger picture structurally pacing? You know, how how is this connected with everything else? So it's it's a much bigger endeavor. Hopefully that you you've got like a theme and overriding idea that this is all feeding into. So it's you know, writing a blog post is usually about a very narrow, particular subject. And I, I try to make that as relatable and fun as possible. 
you know, with a, with a book, you need to really step back and it's a, it's much more big canvas activity and, and therefore it just requires, at least for me, a, a lot more planning and dance. Got it. I just finished reading Stephen Pressfield's books, the war of art and then turning pro have, have, have you read those? Yeah. And what are your thoughts on that? Or maybe just how does that relate to your process? I, I mean, what I really appreciate, appreciate about Stephen Pressfield is just how kind of blunt and direct he is you know, about it where, you know, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, I'll keep this clean, but he's got that great uh, statement where he's like, nobody wants to read your stuff. You know, uh, it's like a kind of a first, the first thing he, he comes out with. And it's, I think it's really, really powerful. It's not, it's, you know, it's not exactly the most hopeful or optimistic perspective, but it's very important that you want to keep the reader's attention. You want to give people something they're interested in. And you always want to keep in mind that, you know, people can, people can close the book or close the browser tab, whatever they want. So you want to be thinking about the reader and how to keep them engaged. I, I think he has a very, for somebody who is, you know, usually writing about the arts, he has a very practical perspective. And I think that's powerful because I, I just don't think it gets, it gets said as often. Yeah. Oh, I certainly really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, so do you have a set number of hours, minutes that, 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 that you write? Do you block time? How is, how is your process look? Exactly. I, I basically have a countdown timer on my iPad and I set it for five hours uh, and I start working. It starts counting down. And anytime I get up to go to the bathroom, I pause. I check my email. I pause. I do anything other than work. I pause. And it's, it's pretty ruthless, but I've, I've proven myself to be such an innovative and creative procrastinator that I need this sort of sort of Damocles hanging over my head that allows no exceptions. Uh, this this, this uh, kind of numerical zero tolerance policy is uh, the, the way it gets things done, and that has to get to zero. So five hours on the clock usually ends up taking, you know, more like eight to ten hours. And... Uh, I mean, I, I don't always make it, but I usually make it and it's, uh, it's pretty ruthless, but it's very effective. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. So at the top of our conversation, you mentioned that it was probably just an offhand comment that you're never, you've never been great with relationships. So now that you've been sort of immersed in the theory of it, how do you think that that's going to impact your relationships moving forward? How do you hope it will? Oh, I mean, it's it's already done so. Just in terms of those things we talked about with friendship, where time and vulnerability is kind of like, you know, making the time and, and an even easier way to do that as opposed to scheduling something is to to just have, you know, rituals, have appointments, have things you do regularly together with friends. That stops it from being too, you know, cold and mechanical without look invites, um, you know, setting that ahead of time, prioritizing it, you know, is, is really critical. And then the vulnerability part, that's the tricky thing, but you know, that's really just an issue of, of fear. You know, as I talk about in the book, you know, it's, I, I, I call it the scary rule. I'm like, if it scares you a little bit, say it, you know, mm -hmm. it could be incremental. You don't have to, you don't have to immediately confess to any murders, but you know, just <laughs> open up a little bit. And if, you know, if, if, if what you say is accepted, if it's reciprocated, then, you know, escalate it. You know, this is this is how you deepen relationships. Arthur Aaron is one of the leading researchers on relationships. And he, through just people asking each other a series of questions, 
he was able to make people feel like lifelong friends in 45 minutes. In fact, uh, two of his research assistants uh, who were working on this project with him actually fell in love and got married. Uh, you know, it's really powerful when we open up and, you know, talk about more than, than sports and the weather. And I've been endeavoring to, to do that since writing the book. And it's, it's actually been scary, but, uh, but it's been very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I certainly identify with that. So I think that that's awesome. So what's next? Are you, are you, is, is this like a, are you a professional athlete who takes an off season? You go to Cabo or are, are, you, are you right back on the next one? <laughs> um, it's, you know, right now, uh, book page just came out like uh, five weeks ago. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of uh, promotional marketing stuff and still working on, still working on the blog. Uh, you know, so those are the critical, critical things. Uh, but, you know, just a lot of that this week, I'll be at the Aspen Ideas Festival. So, you know, busy, busy, uh, but you know, busy's busy's good because uh, when you're not busy, that could be even scarier. Right. If nobody wants to talk to you, Eric. It's probably not a good sign. So no, for for my for my professional or personal life, that's right. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they find the blog? And where can they pick up a copy of? plays well with others the surprising science behind why everything you know about relationships is mostly wrong uh both of the books uh plays well with others and bark and throne trade are available most retailers amazon etc and uh people can find the blog the best way to keep up with what i'm doing is to sign up for my newsletter uh that's at ericbarker.org which is e-r-i-c-b-a-r-k-e-r.org and uh you know every week i do a blog post, you know, looking at the research and trying to help us all with better lives. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Eric your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, pick up a copy of Barking Up the Wrong Tree, as well as plays well with others, wherever you buy your books and then sign up for that newsletter and make sure you don't miss any of Eric's amazing blog posts at ericbarker.org. It's E-R-I-C-B-A-R-K-E-R.org. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.